Hi, welcome to Teach in Diverse Populations podcast, where we discuss the history of education, how students and how students of diverse backgrounds have been and still are being affected by this history. This is your host, Allison Medina, and today we'll be talking about my personal educational autobiography. I will discuss my reflections about my family and my personal past and my current education and schooling experiences. It all began with both of my grandfathers immigrating from Mexico to Texas. Both grandfathers tried to balance their lives by working here and also trying to visit the family they had in Mexico. My grandfather on my mom's side, from what I know of, doesn't have uh, a high school education because working was more of a priority than going to school. Um, He's from a small town, so that was more of a priority for them. At one point, this led my grandfather on my mom's side to sell drugs and make money. But whenever one of his kids was a few weeks away from being born, he would somehow find a way to cross my grandmother over so that his kids could be born in America with papers. That is how my all my aunts and my uncles on my mom's side have their papers. My grandfather eventually got arrested for selling drugs. My mom was eight years old or so at the time. My mom, the eldest daughter, has told me before that she never for, she will never forget the day my grandfather was arrested because from one day to the next, they went from having a ranch full of animals to absolutely nothing. Over time, once my grandfather was released from jail and as, the, as his family got larger, my grandparents made a trip to come live in America full-time. My grandfather had a job in construction while my grandmother stayed at home to take care of the kids. The woman staying at home and being a caretaker while the man provides is a very common and sexist theme that I will see throughout my life. My mom was a freshman in high school when she came to live in America. She actually went to Woodrow Wilson in Dallas. She went to an all-English-speaking high school without knowing any English at all. She was able to graduate. She had always enjoyed math and learning, so her plan was to go to college until she met my dad. Which takes me to how my dad got here. On my dad's side, my grandfather, Rosendo, is also from a small town where work was more of a priority than school which is similar to my grandmother. Once my grandmother turned of age, she married my grandpa, got married young, and stayed home to take care of the house and kids while my grandfather worked. In Mexico, my grandfather worked in many different cities doing construction. In his hometown where my grandmother, my dad, and other uncles and aunts lived, he had a little store that his kids would help run to make extra money. They would sell fruit, candies, beverages, snacks, As his sons got older, he began to bring them to America to work. He brought his sons one by one, and once they had all moved here, my grandmother followed and migrated, where my grandfather and my family just continued to grow. My dad migrated to America when he was a freshman in high school. Unlike my mom, my dad was forced to work and tried tried to balance school. 
Once making money for himself, my grandparents, and my family, he decided to focus on work instead of school. So my father did not obtain higher than a ninth grade education. So this brings me to how my parents met. They were both dancing in a club, and my mom was 19, my dad was 17. He lied about his age to my mom and told her he was 20. At this time, my mom had started community college without the help of anyone but herself. Her parents, my grandparents, would tell her that school was a waste of time and when she could, when she could be working and making money instead. My mom worked and saved to pay for a few classes at community college and worked a realtor job to make some extra cash. My dad at 17 was working in any type of trade job that would hire him. Religion wasn't a major aspect of my parents' lives just yet, so after a year of being together, my mom got pregnant, and you guessed it, with me. In the Mexican generation that my mother was born into, it was custom to get married or pregnant young so that you could move out of your parents' house, and that is exactly what my mom did. To continue the rest of the story, I have to make a sidebar and explain what machismo is. Machismo is a very com is very common amongst Hispanic men, more present in the older generation, like the ones of my parents and grandparents, but still seen in my generation. In simple terms, machismo is having strong and aggressive masculine pride, or in other words, toxic masculinity. My mom, already having previous experiences with the sexism and misogyny that machismo culture is rooted in from the way her father treated her, she came to experience the same attitudes with my dad. Once they got married, my dad expected my mom to be home whenever he was there, expected her to cook dinner, clean the house, and take care of me all while she worked a full-time job. If she did not do as he asked, he would get angry and aggressive with her and me. My mom worked in the mayor's office at City Hall as a secretary, and my dad, since he had anger problems, could never keep a job. So my mom was the only one with a steady income. Since machismo was deeply rooted in my culture, it really affected my dad since he was not able to provide, which led him to getting more aggressive with my mom and I at home. When I got a little older, my mom wanted to try and go back to college, but my dad did not let her. He told her the same thing my grandfather did. It's a waste of time, and it's a waste of time and money, plus you need to take care of our child, is what he said. Since my dad didn't allow my mom time for herself in school, she turned to religion. My mom began attending a Christian Pentecostal church when I was around four years old, and she would take me with her so that we could get away from my dad for a bit. My dad even tried stopping her from going to church until he decided to finally stop fighting her and joined us for a service one day. The hypocritical act my dad was performing got old fast, which led to my parents divorcing when I was about six years old. Due to the immense psychological trauma my, my dad caused my mom, she was unable to fight for me and my dad got full custody. The first year of their divorce, I spent half of the year in Richardson with my dad and the other half with my mom in East Dallas. Both of my parents lived with their parents after they divorced one another, which created an emphasis on the importance of family growing up for me. After the first year of the divorce, I was forced to mature and realized 
the different social classes I would experience when I was with my dad versus when I was with my mom. Which is why at seven years old, I made the decision to go live with my dad because although I knew he couldn't support me emotionally, I knew he could support me financially since he had started up his own business, which meant he was more well off. My mom was already pregnant with my brother, so I didn't want to put another financial burden on her. I also knew that the schools were considered magnet schools in Richardson and were better funded than, than the ones in East Dallas where my mom lived. So that is how I ended up in Richardson ISD from 2nd to 12th grade. When I was there, Richardson ISD was diverse. Even though there were more white students, I still had a great amount of representation of students in co of color. I also knew students in elementary who already knew that they identified with the LGBTQIA or had parents that were in the LGBTQ LGBTQIA. I was also able to experience students who had different religious beliefs and whose family came from different countries. So going to school in RISD made me interact with students of different backgrounds at a very young age, which I am very grateful for. As time passed, my, mother, my mom and her side of the family became less and less religious, all while my dad and his side of the family became even more involved in Christianity. I never felt like the beliefs of Christianity aligned with me, but I went along for my own safety, which wasn't a problem till I began, till I began questioning my sexual orientation in eighth grade. It was an internal conflict with how I was raised and how I truly felt on the inside. I was taught by my religious family that being gay is a sin and that I will burn in hell if I was gay, but internally I felt an attraction to women. Because of this, I became extremely homophobic for one year in hopes of praying and drowning out the way I felt towards women. It was during this time that I would ask my dad, what would you do if I was gay? And his response was, you know better than to do that. I would much rather you be pregnant than to be gay because at least that's natural. This response did not help the internal conflict within me. If anything, it instilled fear in me to be my true self. Thankfully, my best friend at the time had many family members that were in the LGBTQIA community. So she is one of she is the one that gave me the encouragement and affirmation that it was okay and normal to explore who I am attracted to, even if it was with the same sex. The summer going into my freshman year of high school is when I discovered that I identified as a lesbian. Thankfully. The school I went to had multitudes of students that were also gay and who were out, so I was never met with any hatred or bullying at school. I was on, a I was on the, ba the girls' basketball team, and all but three girls on the team identified as a member of the LGBT. Um, and Richardson High School even had a gay-straight alliance club that met after school. I would try and sneak sneak to go to this club uh, because they met the same day as the fellowship of christian athletes so i would tell my dad i was with the christian athletes and instead of saying i was with the gays the bullying and hatred i experienced was at home my freshman year of high school i was starting to discover who i am and as tatum says in his article the complexity of identity choices made in adolescence ripple throughout the lifespan
Because of the conflicting experiences I had about my identity, I fell into a really bad depression where I would self-harm and even tried to commit suicide. At the time, the acceptance and support of my father was important to me, and I knew that if I ever, if he ever found out that I had identified as a lesbian, he would kick me out and disown me. If you would have seen me at the time, at this time of my life, most would have never known that I was depressed or had all these conflicting emotions inside of me. I never let these feelings affect my performance in school because school was the only time I had away from my dad and the only place I felt comfortable enough to be my true self. Although it wasn't till after graduation uh, that I identified as non-binary, my gender expression had always been fluid. I would leave my house and a girly and feminine clothes, but when I got to school, I would change into an outfit that was more masculine presenting and change back uh, into my feminine clothes once school was over. As mentioned in Baum and Westheimer's article, girls whose gender expression is seen as somewhat masculine are often considered tomboys, which is what most of my family thought about me when they see me when they would see me in more masculine clothing so it was easy for me to just pass as a tomboy home which was important for my safety and security as time went on i began to get more comfortable in my identity and got tired of hiding who i was so i came out to a couple of people in my daily life that wasn't just friends from school the people in my youth group at church knew but were always hush-hush about it and never treated me differently but my dad found out that I liked girls when I was when I was 15 and held a literal intervention with me and his entire homophobic Christian family. They all got together and cried, asking me how could I have done this to the family and how they love me, but they don't love the demon in me and that I'm selfish. I heard it all. My dad had threatened to disown me and forced me to move to my mom's. But when he saw that I was happy about leaving, he said, God spoke to him and made him change his mind. I went to the school the next day after being verbally, verbally abused by my family and cried all day. My teachers were concerned and asked me how they could help. It was through my teachers that I was able to experience allyship and support. My teachers spoke to one another that day and set up an appointment for me to talk to the teacher that was in charge of, GSA, of the GSA club at my school. She talked to me for an entire class period about how there are plenty of happy and successful gay people living their best lives around the world and how I'm going to be one of them. All the teachers I had made sure to show me their support and stood with me in solidarity. To this day, thinking about my teachers holding a safe space for me makes me tear up. I did not know it then, but it's because of their support that day that I would eventually decide to become a teacher. As time passed, my dad decided to mentally block out the fact that I'm gay for years until I entered 12th grade. Since my dad was extremely religious, I was never allowed to go to any homecoming dance or any type of dance function. But when you're in 12th grade, you get to go to prom, and I was not going to miss it. I bought myself a suit and had my mom cover for me and act like I was at her house when in reality I was at prom. After prom, my friends posted pictures and there was and there I was in one of the pictures in my suit, which my dad saw after logging into my own personal Facebook because he was very controlling and had to have all of my passwords. He confronted me about the picture and gave me a long lecture, which eventually led him kicking 
led him to kicking me out of his house. He stopped supporting me financially, took my car away, and I left his house with my stuff in trash bags. I moved into my mom's house, and I didn't want to transfer school since I only had three months left of senior year. So every day, I would drive my mom to work, I would take her, and I would take her car to commute an hour to school. Thankfully, I had early release my senior year, so I was always able to get out of school on time and pick my mom up when she got off of work. I kept this up for three months and eventually graduated high school. I entered community college the following fall where I started out as a nursing major and halfway through changed to an associate's of arts because I decided that the only thing I could truly see myself doing is being an English teacher. I did my research and aligned my classes with the degree plan for ELA secondary teaching at UNT. I chose UNT because it was the school all of my gay friends decided to go to, and through them, I learned how diversity was an important aspect of this school. It was also around this time that I began, began getting more intrigued and curious about gender identity. It was through a sociology class that I took, at, took in community college that I discovered and got confirmed that gender is, in fact, a social construct, and that it is possible to not identify with either both male or female. That is how I discovered that I am non-binary. The very first class I ever took at UNT was the first time I was asked about my pronouns. I was just getting comfortable in being non-binary, so, non -binary, so I was thrilled that a successful adult professor acknowledged that people can identify differently than what they present. As a matter of fact, UNT is the only place I have felt represented in the types of material that is in the curriculum and by the topics that are discussed in class. I am grateful to learn from all of my professors at UNT because they are all actively teaching me how to be anti-racist and an inclusive teacher for my future students, which is the prime reason I went into teaching. Receiving support from an adult is very impactful and important to a young person. It makes me think back on Temple's article, It's Okay to Be Neither, where she holds a safe space for Ali, a student of, of variance, and educates their classmates about being gender nonconforming. This is an act that Ali will most likely remember for the rest of their life, the same way I will always remember the way my teachers gathered to support me and my sexual identity when my own family didn't. My, edu my educational background influenced me to become an educator so that I can affirm young people in who they are becoming or want to become. Bell, in their article, Teaching at the Intersection, says, Adults are responsible for helping students to have a safe space to navigate how they identify themselves and at what intersections they see of themselves which is exactly what I plan to do as a future educator.